If you're like me, your ears have more time than your eyes do, meaning I have a lot more time to listen to things than to actually read them. So I've started recording my blogs. Here goes. Want more clients? Identify who you work with and why. I had just moved with my family to Washington, D.C. for my husband's job. Other than my family, I didn't know a soul in the D.C. metro area. Okay, well, there was this one guy I met at a TED Active conference one time, but otherwise, no one. I was starting from scratch again. I'd left a thriving network and a strong coaching practice back in Seattle. I was still mourning the loss of my friends, clients, and community when a friend I hadn't seen in years came to visit. We were on the metro on our way to the Smithsonian when she asked me what I was doing now. I don't remember exactly what I said. It was pretty extemporaneous. It was something like, I help CEOs and entrepreneurs connect with what gives their lives meaning and purpose and support them in expressing that in their business. As I was expanding on that, a man who'd been sitting near us tapped me on the, sol- on the shoulder and said, Excuse me, I'm sorry for interrupting. I overheard what you said you do, and I need that. He became my first client in D.C. You see, he could see himself in how I described what I do. More on that later. Coaching Kool-Aid. When I completed my first coaching certification program, I left it believing that it wasn't appropriate for me to clearly identify my ideal client. I had drank what I call the coaching Kool-Aid, which goes something like, the client has all of their own best answers. The coach owns the process. The client owns the content and the outcome. The coach's subject matter expertise can get in the way of their coaching. If you are contributing your expertise, you're not coaching in line with ICF core competencies. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying any of that is wrong or bad or or inappropriate. I actually buy into a lot of it. It's just that the way I internalized it didn't support the development of my business and didn't meet what I felt the market was asking for. So if I subscribed to the coaching Kool-Aid, then I thought by the transitive property of coaching, which is not a thing, I just made it up, it would be inappropriate for me to clearly describe who I work with. I should be able to work with anyone, right? Assuming they're coachable. Yeah, no, that's the problem. And oh, by the way, I'm not the only one who drank the coaching Kool-Aid. Everyone and no one. For the last several years, I've been in the fortunate position to have more coaching opportunities than I can or want to take, so I refer a lot of business to other coaches. At least, I try to. When I meet a coach for the first time, I typically ask, who is your ideal client? And nine times out of ten, I hear something so vague, it could be almost anyone. The kind of thing I hear is, I work with emerging women leaders. Okay, well, I guess you've eliminated half the workforce, so the other 72 million are your target market? I work with new managers. Okay, that's only about 47 million people. I work with leaders of nonprofits. 
there are 1.5 million nonprofits in the U.S. That doesn't narrow it down much. Because I'm determined to advocate for and support other coaches, when a coach provides vague answers regarding their ideal client, I'll keep digging to see if I can figure out something, anything, that will help me know who to refer to them versus any of the other hundreds of coaches I know. I'll ask, if I was talking with someone who was your ideal client, what would they say that would tell me I should introduce them to you? Often, I get trite, coachy kind of answers like, they'll say they're feeling stuck, or that they're in a transition and wanting help navigating it, or they want to grow and develop personally as well as professionally. Seriously? How in any way does that differentiate you and the uniquely meaningful, transformative, life-changing impact you have in this world? Work with me, people. The vast majority of us have coaching as a word-of-mouth business, meaning most of our business comes from our contacts, our clients' contacts, or our friends, family and referral partner contacts. And for a word-of-mouth business, who you work with and the problem you help them solve is your calling card. And if you can't clearly, succinctly, crisply articulate that, how can you expect to grow your business? Focus on the client. Like a lot of coaches, I don't like describing what I do as a coach, especially in the context of an elevator rant. I've worked with clients to create their elevator pitch. I've read books, even led workshops on creating elevator speeches. And everyone I've created for myself has felt like sawdust in my mouth. Clearly, something I could use coaching around. (laughs) However, I can comfortably, passionately, and fluidly talk about my clients. Not by name, of course. I found that when I put my focus clearly on who I coach and why, I can speak about them in ways that free me up and feel natural to me and allows others to recognize themselves in what I say. And people, they know in what I say. And when I discovered that, I got clearer and more specific about my ideal clients, why they come to me, and what they get from working with me. Now, anytime I'm asked about what I do, I talk about my ideal clients. Describing the ideal client. Several years ago, a coaching colleague walked into a room filled with my coaching clients You see, I regularly bring my coaching clients together for workshops. And upon entering the room, she started laughing. I asked her why, and she said, Allison, everyone here looks like you. I looked around the room, and I didn't really get what she was talking about. And then it clicked. I was attracting a very specific type of client. My clients shared shared a narrow set of demographics, firmographics, and psychographics. Now, to be clear, I'm not suggesting that you coach clones of yourself. But when I looked around the room, this is what I saw. CEO owners of companies 5 to $50 million in size, male, age 35 to 45. They work hard, play hard, and are athletically inclined. They've reached a high level of success relatively early in life, and what happens from here is all up to them. 
They've run out of what they know to do, and the road ahead is high stakes and uncertain. This was a eureka moment for me. This is the clientele that I was attracting and was attracted to. I loved working with these guys. It was fun, meaningful, and rewarding. These were my ideal clients. Now, of course, not 100% of my clients fit this description, but 85% did and still do. And of course, I took on clients who didn't fit this description. And if you're offended by my identifying my target market and ideal clients as male in this very hashtag me too environment, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Over the course of 15 years, the vast majority of my clients have been men because I've always targeted CEO owners. And the majority of CEO owners are male. It just turned out that way. And I like it. I hope you love your ideal clients. The ideal client as elevator pitch. When I realized how I was attracting clients organically, I decided to see if I could engineer it to happen. After that pivotal point when people asked me what I did, I'd say something like, I work with CEO owners of businesses 5 to 50 million in size. They tend to be male, work hard and play hard, and are athletically inclined. They've reached a high level of success early in life, and they've run out of what they know to do. What's ahead for them is both high stakes and are uncertain. By working with me, they become clearer on who they are, what they want, and how that aligns with their business. They become more confident, more certain, and more relaxed in their work and in their lives. When I started saying that, a few exciting things began to happen. People would always ask me about it. Athletically inclined? Where'd you come up with that? Do you only work with men? Hey, I know someone that sounds exactly like that. Bingo. By just saying who my ideal client was and why they worked with me, I was getting exactly the reaction I wanted. When I shared my ideal client, people were curious about it and about me. People could recognize themselves or someone they knew in my description. And within about three years, I'd built my business in the D.C. area up to what it took eight years to build in the Seattle area. Common Objections You might be saying, this doesn't apply to me. My clients don't have anything in common. Or, I don't want to attract clones of myself. Gross. Okay, fine. Perhaps your clients don't look alike, and perhaps your clients don't have similar occupations, but all of your clients have one thing in common, you. They were attracted to you. Also, you might be thinking, I don't want to narrowly define who I work with. That will just narrow down my chances of getting a referral. Au contraire. The opposite is true. When you define your ideal clients so generally, that almost anyone can be included, no one can see themselves in it. You might be ruminating, I'm not sure what I'm doing with my clients. I'm just coaching. What my clients are getting is what all clients of coaching are getting. Ah, give yourself a little more credit. You are uniquely you, and you are your client's coach. Putting it all together. How do you put all of this together for you, especially if you have some of the common objections noted? How do you identify your ideal client and what they get from you? Well, consider this very simple tactic. 
create a worksheet with four columns. In the first column, list all the names of all the clients you've loved working with. In the second column, identify the essence of the the challenges your clients brought to you and to the coaching. Not the specifics or the topics, but the meaningful underlying issues. In the third column, identify how your clients benefited from working with you, how they were changed, what shifted, what results were created in both tangible and intangible ways. In column four, describe your clients demographically, firmographically, psychographically in any way that's relevant. And when you're done, step back, reflect on what your ideal clients have in common. What are they like? What do they look like? Where do, they, where do you find them? Where do you see them? What do they have in common? What do they come to you for? What are the commonalities of what they're wanting from you, what they're hoping for, what they're yearning for? And what do they get from you? What are the outcomes they get? Then put it all together in a statement. I work with, fill in the blank, what they're like, who, what they come to you for, and what they get from you. And you'll get end up with the statement that sounds a lot like what I started with. I work with CEO owners of businesses five to fifty million dollars in size, yada yada yada. They've achieved a high level of success and run out of what they know to do. That's why they come to me. And by working with me, they become more confident, more certain, more relaxed in their work and in their lives. So you can develop something like that for you and your clients. We are all in this together. The majority of coaches don't make a thriving living coaches. And many coaches who do make a living coaching do so by coaching other coaches. That's all okay. And I'm determined to help more coaches and people in related professions thrive doing what they are passionate about doing. This world is full of people who need, want, and would perform better with coaching and live better, more meaningful lives with coaching. Together, we can coach people to become better leaders, to lead more fulfilling and meaningful lives, and to create and live lives of their own design. We can do this. And being clear about what we do, who we do it for, and what they get from us is a start. What about you? How do you define your target market? What objections and challenges do you have about defining it? What, if anything, holds you back? Join the conversation.